Um, what was your reaction to the reported uh, uh, reaction of Attorney General Kennedy at the meeting with Mr. Baldwin? Uh, the reports were in the New York Times and other reliable papers that the Attorney General was stunned uh, at the extent of militancy, anger, and impatience that he found among these Negro artists. The, was this an ingenuous reaction? Had he so misread the temper of the American Negro? Well, I think this is a, a real possibility, and I think many white people of goodwill, uh, many who are even fairly close to the Negro community, fail to realize the seriousness of this problem and, and the, the, the mood of the Negro. The, the impatience and the, the discontent of the Negro. I think that uh, many people fail to see this, and it isn't that they are not people of goodwill. On the whole, they understand the depths and dimensions of the problem, but uh, they just haven't been able to see uh, this new determination on the part of the Negro, and the new determination itself has grown out of this uh, impatience and this great discontent, so that I'm not surprised to, uh, to, to know that some left with the conclusion that the Attorney General didn't realize this, because I've seen others who, uh, who have been very concerned about the problem of racial injustice, but somehow had not been able to, to understand or to see this uh, growing militancy uh, in the Negro community. Does the uh, reaction of the northern and western Negro ag against de facto segregation in housing and lack of equal job opportunity contain the same elements of violence potential as w we are seeing in the South today? I think so, and some, uh, sometimes even more, uh, because uh, in the South, the the system of segregation is legal and therefore overt, and it's easier to get at it points. Uh, it's out in the open, so you can tackle it legally, you can tackle it through uh, nonviolent demonstrations and other forces, and you can see pockets of progress here and there in the South. Uh, you can look back and say, well, a year ago I couldn't go to the lunch counters, but now we can go. A year ago I couldn't go in the hotels and there's particular city, but now I can go. A year ago, we could not go in the theaters, but now we can go. So you do see progress uh, at certain levels. It's just token progress, but it, it can be seen. Now, in the North, it's different. Since uh, segregation is not legal, uh, it has to be subtle. Uh, it has to be covert. And uh, because of the growing problems around this, often the Negro can only see retrogress. If he lives in a city like Detroit, he recognizes that he's about uh, 28 or 30 percent of the population and yet almost 70 percent of the unemployed. Uh, because of discrimination and the fact that Negroes have been limited to unskilled and semi-skilled labor, a force called automation comes into being, and these are the jobs that pass away, so that uh, the Negroes are the ones who suffer most at this point in the large industrial areas of the North. And I think 
because of this unemployment, because of uh, the continued existence of the ghetto, uh, and these things are involved together. You see, the evils of employment discrimination and housing discrimination are caught together. If a man doesn't have enough money uh, to live, he certainly can't get adequate housing. And even if he has money, in so many instances, he can't get it. Is he and ready to march, to demonstrate, to uh, uh, do the kind of thing that the Southern Negro has done? Is he at that point in your Oh, view? yes, I, I think so. I've been in several uh, northern communities recently, and uh, uh, I would say that the vast majority of Negroes in these communities uh, are so concerned about this issue and so uh, frustrated about it that they are willing now more than ever to take this issue uh, to the point of engaging in mass nonviolent demonstrations. In fact, uh, we've seen some of it in Philadelphia in, in recent days where they had uh, mass picketing and mass demonstrations. Some of it even erupted into violence. Now, uh, I think this is a real possibility in cities all over the North where the Negro is just caught up in the crippling shackles of frustration You see Washington, D.C. as a particular danger point with Malcolm X having moved there, with the Negroes being the majority of the population, with job discrimination and ghettoizing being so deeply embedded in the nation's capital. Do you see Washington as a particular point of explosion? Well, this is a, uh, this is a community that can explode like many others. Uh, and I don't think it will only be because of Malcolm X moving there. My contention is that if we keep moving and uh, if we can uh, solve the problem by a continued working at it, uh, then Malcolm X and the Muslims won't have any influence. I don't think they've had uh, anywhere as near, I mean, as much influence as uh, many uh, would think. At points, this movement has been a sort of paper tiger. But I would, uh, I would say that these communities, like Washington, and Washington, as you say, is a majority Negro population, has a majority Negro population, these communities can explode into uh, a terrible racial nightmare if something isn't done. And I think it can be warded off by vigorous programs on the part of the federal government and on the part of local state governments. I in other words, it will be determined uh, by the degree to which uh, the political leaders and other leaders will meet the problem head on. And Washington is a good example. Uh, if the leaders in Washington, backed up by the president, will see the dangerous possibilities and set out to deal with the problem of housing discrimination and employment discrimination, uh, and certainly the Negro confronts this in Washington and all over, uh, then there will be a ray of hope. Now, the president uh, is considering doing something about uh, eliminating discrimination in federal construction programs. Uh, this is just one level, but it, it does represent uh, some progress if he can get an executive order through on that. And uh, this will make new jobs for Negroes. And where you have 
uh, new jobs and the Negro sees that he's moving from the periphery of American society to the point of being involved and knowing that he has something to lose, uh, then he will, he will not feel the need of uh, responding with violent reactions. Dr. King, we have to pause again very briefly. We'll be back in a moment. Dr. King, you have been reported very recently as saying that you no longer fear the Ku Klux Klan or the White Citizen Council as much as you have begun to fear the white moderate, that he is the bone in the throat of Negro progress. Would you implement that statement and tell us what you mean by that? Yes, well, I uh, guess I entered this period. I was uh, catapulted into the leadership of the civil rights struggle during the Montgomery bus boycott. And I entered the, the struggle at that point having great faith uh, in the moderates in the white community, feeling that uh, the moderates would understand and that we would have uh, great allies in our struggle from uh, the so-called moderates. But uh, in recent years, I've come to see that uh, these are often the people who stand in the way of progress because they are committed only in a lukewarm manner. And uh, every time you move to try to solve the problem, uh, they will respond by saying, uh, you're moving too fast, you ought to cool off, you should put on brakes. And they end up more devoted to order than to justice. And, uh, are more devoted to maintaining a sort of negative peace, which is merely the absence of tension, than uh, gaining a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. And uh, they can always say to you that you should wait for a more convenient season. And I've come to see that these are the people that uh, often stand in the way because they get close, uh, close enough to you to at least uh, uh, discuss your plans, and uh, uh, they become friendly enough to uh, to talk with you. You at least have dialogue with them, but uh, they they want to stand in the way of every move forward. And this has been my disappointment. I, I think at times it is better to have uh, uh, outright rejection and misunderstanding from people of ill will than to have lukewarm acceptance from people of goodwill. It is better to have absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will than to have partial understanding from people of goodwill. And uh, this is what we are seeing every day in our struggle uh, in the South, that many of the moderates of the white South and and many of them mean well, and I shouldn't only say the South, uh, but uh, the moderates all over, stand in the way of progress because they refuse to understand the, the problem and they live by the myth of time, uh, failing to realize that time will not solve the problem. And there's a danger that the moderate will live by this myth, believing that if you just leave things alone and not push too much, uh, time will solve the problem. And it has always been my contention that this is an invalid view because it goes out with the idea that that is something in the very nature and structure of time 
that will miraculously solve all problems. And time really is neutral. It can be used either constructively or destructively. And at times, I think the people of ill will have used time much more effectively than the people of goodwill. Many astute and experienced observers of the Washington scene describe the mood of the administration in the area of racial relations as one of bleak despair because they feel, the administration, say these reporters, that they cannot possibly legislate or executive order or innovate enough, fast enough, to accommodate the surging uh, expectations and want of the Negro community, that they could not possibly keep up with the appetite for progress that the Negroes want in this country. Would you comment on that? Well, I, I think uh, they can. I, I don't think that despair needs to exist. Uh, I think the administration must recognize that the harvest of disruption that we now see over the country is here because of seeds of inaction planted uh, over the last several years. If, for instance, the president had uh, taken a real stand on the moral issues of integration in 1954 after the Supreme Court rendered its decision, things would be different now. But because of the failure of President Eisenhower to take a, a forthright moral stand a vacuum set in and the forces of opposition were able to organize and crystallize the opposition and this set us back for a period. And I think the new administration will have to see the necessity uh, of making up. Uh, it's just as simple as he who gets behind in a race must forever remain behind or run faster uh, than the man in front. And we've got to see that uh, we have gotten behind in the race of really following through on the executive and the legislative levels, even on the things that have been done through the judicial branch of the government. Now, 